Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Feeling stressed out? Well, stress is a part of life, but there are a few big things that get under our skin, and we're going to talk about that today and learn what we can do about it right here, right now on Polly Campbell. Simply said. Hello, 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 and welcome to Polly Campbell's Simply Said. This is the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And for most of us, that means we need to manage our stress because nobody's immune from it, right? We're going to face adversity. We're going to face uncertainty in this life. And that can really build up and stress us out. When that happens, what? We're more prone to chronic illnesses, our relationships struggle, just don't feel good in our lives. But how we manage our stress really comes down to how we think about the moments of our lives. Research out of Oregon State University shows that people who view daily stressors as a part of life fare better than those who take the woe is me approach and view those daily challenges as something that is happening to them, something bad that is occurring, when in fact it's just a part of life. And I'm talking the big stuff, the little stuff. I'm talking about death, I'm talking about moves, I'm talking about divorces, I'm talking about financial challenges, as well as traffic congestion and issues with the kid and not knowing what to cook for dinner. All those things add up, but all those things are also part of life. And when we recognize them as such, the big and the little, we tend to deal with our stresses better. It doesn't make us immune. It doesn't take it away. We still are going to experience stress. But when we take the perspective that, oh, this is part of life. This loss is a part of life. This job change is a part of life. We do better. What does that mean? It means we live longer. I mean, it's that fundamental. We miss less time at work. Stress is the number one cause of absenteeism at work. And if you're a business owner, that is costing you billions each year in America alone, right? So how we think about stress for ourselves, for the people in our life, for our employees, will impact how well we live with it. And those who manage it and live with it as a part of their life experience, tend to live longer, have greater well-being, have greater mental health and physical health, and feel better about their lives. So we're going to be talking about it today because, and I'll fess up here, I've been stressed out about little things that are weighing heavily on me. And, and I'm not kidding when I say, right now, that's been driving. <laughs> I work at home. I don't have to be in the car a lot. And I do that by design because, well, I don't mind driving the traffic. I worry about getting places on time. I hate the time suck of being in the car and running errands and doing all that stuff. It gets under my skin. And you probably know what I'm talking about because I am not alone. A recent study out of Spain found that driving a car makes people more depressed more sleep deprived, less mentally healthy, and increases their stress. 
The researchers found that the amount of time a person spends commuting to work in a car directly correlates to how much sleep they get, how they feel about their day, their mood, and their stress levels. This is not good. Cars are stressing us out and they're bad for the planet too, right? So driving makes people less happy. According to one study out of Sweden, couples in which one partner commuted for more than 45 minutes are 40% more likely to end in divorce. This is tough stuff. The American Heart Association says people who drive to work instead of taking mass transit like a train or bus are at greater risk for blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity, all things that contribute to heart disease, right? So here's the deal. In the U.S., it's tough not to hop in the car. We're spread out. Where we live and where we work are often miles and miles apart. And there aren't trains that run from each of the small towns into the large towns. We're getting better. But we are behind because, in part, of lack of planning, but also the vastness of this country. When I traveled in Europe, I could get everywhere by train. And that would take you to the cities or the villages, and then you could easily walk to where you needed to go. It's different in the U.S., and uh, we need to catch up a little bit because the time spent on the freeways in our car freaking most of us out. And yet, there are times we all need to be in them here, right? And probably elsewhere in the world too. So it's how we deal with that stress that I'm interested in. It's a number one source of stress, commuting, being in the car. So if we're going to settle into those driver seats or passenger seats, I swear to God, I'm more stressed when my husband is driving me around than when I'm driving around. But <laughs> that's a whole nother show. How we manage those niggling issues of our lives goes a long way to how well we live our lives. Another thing that tends to stress us out is indecisiveness of the people around us. Now, I feel this, and I've also been a culprit of this. A new study shows that when people are indecisive, when they say, I don't care, and that just happened to me, you know, that you'll be with a group and they'll be like, where do you want to go to dinner? And, and everybody's like, I don't care. Well, that no preference communication, as it's called by psychologists, is hard on people. It stresses people out and it can really take a toll on our friendships. Now, I've done that before because I want to go with the flow. I honestly do not care where I eat or what I do as long as I'm with the people I want to be with, right? So I've done that from time to time saying, well, I don't care. Let's do whatever's easiest for so-and-so because I want to be easier to get along with. But according to research, that really harms our relationships. And think about it. You're putting the burden on others when we do this. Now, I've been on the other side of that where nobody will make a decision and it puts the burden of decision strictly on me. I feel like I can never get it right. I second guess myself. And that's a true response for most people surveyed. In this study, people said that no preference communication when people fail to have an opinion makes them dislike others more. They don't want to spend as much time with them and it put stress on the friendship, okay? So it's okay to have a preference. There are workarounds. You can pick a place. If you really don't care, just listen to what the group is talking about and pick one of those and, and offer it up. Or take 
the burden off your friends and you decide this night and they can decide the next night, whatever it is. But no, that when we are doing that, no preference, like, I don't care, let's do whatever. It means other people have to care. And that is taking a toll on your friendships, which is another source of stress, right? And it drives me crazy. I was just in the situation a week ago. It drives me crazy. Like, I care what you think. I want to hear it. So now I'm trying to be more intentional about that too and offer suggestions or maybe have an opinion to take that burden off of others. It's often the little things that build up for us. And if we aren't aware, if we aren't paying attention to our experiences and what we're offering in the world and how we're participating in it with regards to the regular commutes and our relationships, they can really take a toll and leave us feeling just icky. That's the technical word for it, icky. But you know, that kind of that low mood where we just don't have the energy, we don't want to do anything anymore. It's just everything feels like too much of a hassle. And I've noticed this in myself. So I started investigating this a little bit. What is getting under my skin? Now, some of these things are heightened by the other things going on in our life. If we're dealing with a financial situation or a job change or a loss in the family or those other big deal stressors, then these so-called little things can weigh even heavier and make it hard to get through. So it's important to pay attention to these habits of our day. If you're spending a lot of time in the car, look at ways to consolidate that time. You know, maybe run all your errands at one time when you're already in the car so you can have days during the week where you don't have to get in the car at all. This is truly what I try to do. I tried not to drive. And when I do have a dinner out or an appointment to get to, I plan everything in my day around that appointment. So I, I go to the dry cleaners, I go to the bank, I do the things I have to do in my day. The other thing I do is ask my husband to help with some of this stuff. He's really good about dropping things off or running to the post office. He is out every day for his work. He doesn't mind driving around and he gets out earlier than I do. Like he is ending his work day when it's still light out, whereas usually I'm working until uh, it gets dark in the winter. And so he can drive around during these times before there's peak traffic hours and he doesn't get as stressed about it as I do. Also, by becoming aware that these are our pressure points, we can manage them better. It doesn't have to be such a big deal, which is something I'm really using now. Okay, if I know I've got some place to be at three o'clock, I just, I come to terms with that and that's okay, I can accept that. Without letting the little things turn into big things. That's really what this is about. Stress certainly is a part of life. We're doing big, engaged things and there are a lot of other people on the planet with us trying to do their big things too. It's, it's normal that we will bounce off of things in a way that maybe causes tension. But how we approach it and think about it can change the degree of pressure we feel and that makes everything easier to handle. There is one big source of stress for most people on the planet, according to research, and that is uncertainty, right? Of course, this is the deal. The pan pandemic and, and job changes and family and kids, we don't know how things are going to go right? It's stressful to live with that level of uncertainty. 80% of the things we worry about, though, don't ever happen. I've shared before on this show how I worried about uh, layoffs at my husband's work a couple years ago. I really stewed about this. 
and there weren't any. So I'm glad I, you know, really made myself upset for three weeks when nothing ever came to pass. I worried about kid things because how is this going to work out? Is she going to get into college? She did. Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? How's that going to go? And those things almost never come to pass. In fact, the biggest stresses I've had in my life with uh, a cancer diagnosis and other issues here and there, They've never played out in the degree, in the way that I worried about them. In fact, if we can become aware of our stress around that uncertainty and we can manage that and mitigate that, we are actually in better form to deal with the uncertainties that come our way, to manage them, to respond to them. This is about being responsive rather than reactive. There's not enough worry in the world to change the world. But when we can identify the uncertainties that are bugging us or the things that are out there and see them for what they are, things that haven't happened yet, then we are calmer and less stressed and more capable of having the clarity and the insight we need to deal with whatever comes. I tell my daughter this all the time because she's a new driver, right? If you panic on the road, that is not going to help you. That is probably going to jeopardize you and the other drivers on the road. But If you practice and you train and you're ready to roll, when things come up, you will be able to take a deep breath and respond to it in the moment to avoid the catastrophe. And that's really what I think we need to learn about here. I think the degree of stress we feel is often a product of how much we trust ourselves. Because here's the deal. We are going to lose people we love. We are going to experience ups and downs in our life. There is going to be change. Kids are going to grow up and move on. We're going to have job changes. Relationships are going to change. Our health is going to change as we age. Things are going to come up. If we recognize that, then we can approach them with a good humor and good spirit and an attitude of like, hey, this this is hard. I'm feeling some pressure with this adversity and yet, I know I can manage this and get through it. And that creates a level of optimism. And optimism, then, in the circular pattern, leads us to make healthier decisions that actually help to create better outcomes, right? Optimism is a behavior. If we feel like we can make a positive difference or a positive change in our situation, even the hardest things, then we are more likely to take the steps to make that happen. Of course, stress is a part of life, the big and the little, but how we think about the moments of our lives and deal with that stress goes a long ways to helping us thrive despite it. And that's something I'm teaching my kid. That is something I'm working on in myself all the time because I don't want to waste this moment being worried about the next one. All right, this is the time we have. So how do we manage the stresses in our lives so that we can respond to them in a progressive and healthy way? I'm going to share with you some ideas about that when we come back right after this break on Polly Campbell Simply Said, part of the best business network of Electrocast. And we are back on Polly Campbell Simply Said part of the best business network of Electrocast. And we're talking about stress and how to manage it and the sources of it. You know, everything from commuting to being with a group of people who are indecisive to feeling the big pressure of divorce or financial or health issues or loss and grief, all those things 
combine to make our experience a human one, right? And can also add challenges that make it harder to deal with the adversity. I want to do it just the opposite. I want to recognize that those things are part of my life experience. And so I can respond to them in appropriate and healthy ways when they come up. It's normal to feel grief when somebody you love passes or when you lose a job that you love. It's normal to feel stress when the check didn't arrive on time and you have bills to pay. But how you think about those moments goes toward how healthy you'll be and how capable you are of dealing with them. For example, if the check doesn't come and you have your house payment due, that is a stressful scenario. If you think of it from the standpoint that the universe is out to get you, nothing ever goes your way, there's nothing you can do, those things are in fact true. And those belief systems actually pile on the stress. They make your heart rate go up, they put strain on your heart, they increase your blood pressure, make it more likely that you won't do or be able to do the other things you need to do to manage the situation. But when those things come into life, you can experience them. You can acknowledge them. Well, hello, I'm feeling stressed. I hate this commute. This is stressing me out because I'm afraid I'm going to be late. Here's that stress again. Oh, well, that's part of my life. That's nothing abnormal. There's nothing wrong with me. It's just a circumstance. That mentality right there helps diffuse a level of the stress that can be harmful over time, right? So I've been thinking a lot this week about the words of the story of Henry Fraser. I read an article about this young man who was paralyzed from the neck down at the age of 17 when he dove off a cliff in Portugal. Now he's paralyzed from the waist down and has been since. The key he says, and I'm all on board with this, in fact, I talk a lot about this, is accept and adapt. Now, acceptance is not easy in every case. Certainly, if you're paralyzed from the neck down, I imagine that takes uh some months of acceptance, maybe even years for some people. You know, I've, I've learned to deal with acceptance in, in all its forms during my life with chronic illness. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I was diagnosed as a child. And when you're living with chronic illness, those of you out there knowing chronic pain, is there are a lot of losses that come into play. I've had plans that I couldn't follow through on and, and things that I had to uh, change or unable to do that I'd like to try uh, because of the illness. Now I can lay in bed and think about the pain I'm in or how unhappy I am or how unfair this is or how I wish it weren't me. And none of those things would take the chronic pain away. In fact, we know that stress heightens our experience of illness and pain. So it can truly make things worse. But Henry Fraser shares some ideas that I really believe and have used in my life too. He says, accept and adapt. Now, acceptance is not resignation. It's not saying, hey, okay, I'm glad I'm paralyzed. Or, hey, I love having rheumatoid arthritis in my case. That is not the case. I do not. It provides many challenges that life would be easier without. And yet me wishing I didn't have it doesn't take it away. So I don't spend any time on that. I've spent more of my time and energy 
accepting that it is what it is and then adapting the things that I want to do in my life around it. Henry has become a painter. He paints with his mouth. He, he balances the brush in his mouth. He's done a whole lot of other important and meaningful things in his life and says his quality of life is very high. Well, certainly mine is too. Am I an NBA basketball star? No. Is that the arthritis's problem? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been an NBA basketball star anyhow. But the reality is instead of focusing on the things I've been unable to do because of the illness, I've adapted the things I most want to do, like golf. I have created a job that I love that allows me to do the work that is meaningful to me despite the illness. And I've used the experiences and the challenges of the disease to really learn about other people and myself and reflect and, and hopefully inspire others. Now, I didn't start there. All along the way, I remember when my daughter was born and there was a morning that she was crying and I went to her in the crib and I couldn't safely pick her up because I was so unstable and stiff in my joints. So I leaned down and I rubbed her head and I did those things until my husband came in and lifted her out of the crib. And I felt lost on that day. I felt sadness that I couldn't be that mother who just sprung out of bed and, and ran to her crib. And, and that was that, right? I can't be that mother. I couldn't be that mother. Um, I didn't spend any time worrying about that or feeling guilty about that or stressing about that. I had an awareness. Oh, this is not something that's smart for me to do for my baby. That's the way it is. I will figure out a way to nourish her and nurture her without those other things. And that's the adaptation. When I golf, I'm not great. I'll be better next year. I'm not great. And I don't look normal in my swing or I don't even know what normal is but but I don't have a smooth swing um oh so okay I can accept that I'm still out there going every week because I love to be out there and I love golfing with my husband and I like the challenge that it provides to get better now same with writing which has very little to do with my health and wellness, right? It's not affected by that in as big of a way as an athletic event is or a golf is or chores are. But there are times I haven't gotten the book deal I wanted or I haven't sold the article I wanted. Am I going to sit around and think, oh, I'm such a failure as a writer? No, I'm not going to keep hitting my head against the door, the fly in the window, my husband calls it. You accept that there are certain limitations or certain things haven't happened even if they're not limitations. And once you step into that place of acceptance, then you can automatically adapt, make different choices, and fly into the next possibility, right? Accept and adapt. Acceptance doesn't mean you're happy with the outcome. It has nothing to do with that. Acceptance means you are not judging the situation. You recognize it for what it is. There's a certain clarity that comes with it. You're not lumping on a bunch of drama, a bunch of opinions, a bunch of emotion. You're saying, well, this is what the situation is. Now, how can I get to where I want to go? And you adapt. Sometimes in the case of Henry Fraser, he said it took him, you know, months and months to reach this point of acceptance. Sometimes it takes longer than others. Some losses in my life, it's taken me longer, it's taken me months. Some other things I can be over in a few minutes. But they all require this step. So if you're in the car 
stressing out in traffic because your car is not moving and you're en route to a meeting. Stressing out, heightening the stress, complaining about the traffic is only going to intensify the experience for you. If you can recognize, hey, I'm stuck in the car. I'm probably going to be late to the meeting. This is what it is. So I'm going to turn on the rock music or bump up a podcast and use the time I have right now. Then you're more likely to relax, be more progressive in your thinking and still have something valuable to add without ruining your whole day. You know, then you can call the client or whoever and say, hey, here's my situation. I'll be there as soon as I can get there and relax and unwind and go on with your day without it ruining the whole experience. Accept and adapt. Stress is a part of life. How we deal with it makes all the difference. Now, studies have shown that the people who recognize that stress is the body's normal response to challenge and excitement and adversity have fewer problems, have fewer symptoms of stress. So what does that mean? If you are going on to do a big presentation at work and you're standing there in the wings getting ready to go on and you notice that uh, you're feeling a little, you know, uh, agitated or, or your palms are sweaty or your heartbeat is faster and you're standing there and saying, oh my God, I'm stressed out. Now, I used to do this before finals all the time in college. I would feel these things in my body, but you know, the butterflies in my stomach or I would feel this, this burst of energy or a little twitchy and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. That must mean I'm not ready for the test and all these things. That's not necessarily true. Stress response you know, a faster heartbeat, the sweat, the perspiration, the sweaty palms, that is a normal stress response. So if you can identify your stress response as part of that and recognize it for what it is and say to yourself, oh, this is my body really showing up to help me. This is a very normal function. There's nothing wrong. This is a normal response to the circumstances I'm facing. It helps diffuse not only the circumstances, not only the symptoms of that stress, but it eliminates the debilitating effects on our bodies or at least reduces it. Again, it's how we talk to ourselves about the stress and uncertainty we're experiencing, not what we're experiencing. Stress is an important part of life. It's a normal bodily reaction. It can be a warning sign. It can be an example that we need to back away, or it can be a sign of excitement or positive emotion. It's a physiological response to our thoughts and our circumstances. We don't have to view it as a bad thing. And when we can recognize it as a healthy response, we can have the clarity of mind to accept what's going on, to adapt it so the stress doesn't harm us over the long run. Bottom line is we don't have to be stressed out every day of our lives. And taking care to identify how it shows up in our body, to recognize it's a signal to make changes or uh, be optimistic or accept the circumstances, then we aren't going to suffer during our next commute or the other uncertainties and upsets that come into our life the way we would normally. And that takes a load of pressure off our body. So if you're stressed out, think about some of these things. For me, it's really about being in the moment, recognizing the stress of my body, accepting 
that, okay, I can deal with this situation and here's how I'm going to do it. And then getting curious about the solutions that are there to the situation or the reasons why I might be stressed. Then we can learn from the experience. And when we do that, we will all live well, do good and be happy. Electric Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.